Good morning, good afternoon. Devoted with Bernice today. I hope you are having a marvelous day today. This is indeed the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I wanted to touch on this word that the Lord gave me this week concerning forgiveness. In Colossians 3.13, it says, Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And what God was revealing to me was um, he, wants to for- he wants to bring healing in the hearts of people so that they can be able to forgive, especially in marriage and in family. So basically, the mountain of influence of of uh, family is what God is targeting in concerning forgiveness, um, especially he's, t- he's telling me even now, especially with married couples, a man and a wife, forgiveness, because the little things that you don't forgive built up, you know, and we all know that men are people who they tend to just hold things in. Women, we don't hold things in. We We might tell you, you know, nothing is wrong, but after a few minutes, we go off, right? And we literally vent and let it all out. Even if she doesn't tell you to your face, she's telling somebody. That's how women we are. We have to get it off our chest. Some way, somehow. But men, they don't, they don't really say it. They just keep it inside and just ponder it by themselves. Um, I don't even think they ponder it, but they just don't say anything. And the more you build it up, the more you neglect to address the issue, the more it built up, more is being added to it. And we all know that you cannot keep sweeping dirt under the carpet. Eventually, it's going to be a lot and it's going to be exposed. And you cannot keep shaking a bottle of soda. Eventually, it's going to burst when you open it, right? And so God doesn't want married couples to just not talk about issues. Even if it's little issues like the way that the person gave you the item when you asked them to give it to you. Or the way that they responded, you didn't like how they responded. Or when they said no, when you really wanted them to say yes. You have to be transparent. Because I believe the enemy is trying to target marriages at this time. That's why God is highlighting forgiveness in marriage. You got to be able to release. God is even saying that right now. He wants people who are married, men men and wife who are married. He wants you to be the safe place for each other. Because when he's in it, there is a safe place, right? And so he wants you to be able to be safe to come to your your husband as a wife or to come to your wife as a husband and say, this is what I'm feeling, this is how I feel, this is what I think. You should be able to have that person be that person. And so if you don't, I just want to pray with you right now. Father, I just thank you right now for this moment. I pray for your your justice, right? I pray for your justice. I pray for your communion. I pray for conviction even in the room of those that know that they need to be able to repent and forgive their spouse of whatever it is that they have not forgiven. Even those that need to be transparent before their spouse, I pray you give them peace. You give them the right words, the right message, the right tone, the right attitude, the right voice the right thoughts, the right wisdom 
to be able to go to their spouse and be able to have a conversation, not accusation, but a conversation with them. That there will be restoration in the marriage. That there will be peace, yeah, in the marriage. That there will be covenant again in the marriage. There will be um, communion. There will be conversation. There will be uh, love and joy again, laughter. No longer are they going to have things in the back of their mind of what they wish or what they thought or what they wanted. But God, there will be all transparency. I pray for the the, 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 the wisdom of transparency, God, in these marriages. That there will be restoration. We bind and dismantle. In the name of Jesus, every assignment of the wicked one to cause division or to cause strife. I see the word strife. To cause strife in marriages. We break it down now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, let your anointing, let the fire and the wind of God go and restore what it is that needs to be restored. And so, Father, I stand on your word. I stand on your word as according to Colossians, God. Colossians 3.13, that they will be gentle and ready to forgive, never holding grudges, God. I destroyed the spirit of grudges, the mindset of grudges, the, the heart of grudges, holding on to unforgiveness. God, I pray right now, let the fire of God go into the hearts of these ones. And burn away that spirit of grudge holding in the name of Jesus. They will remember the Lord forgave them. And so they must also forgive others. Do unto others what you want others to do unto you. And so we stand in that agreement and we plead the blood of Jesus over marriages right now. That there will be restoration. There will be clarity. There will be resolution. There will be answers. And there will be love, joy, and laughter, God. Because marriage is a gift and the enemy wants to destroy it but god what you have joined together let no man separate and so we bless marriages at this time in the name of jesus we do pray amen so lord i just thank you for this moment of teaching and preaching and prophecy i just pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done i'd come against every stronghold i come against every assignment of the enemy and i thank you for the angels that you release even now to go forth before me father i submit myself to you as your vessel oh god even as according to isaiah 42 god i submit myself to you as your servant that you will use me as you please adonai that your word will go forth let revelation come let wisdom come let knowledge come let your answers let your kingdom come let what it is that you want me to teach and preach today happen as you have said in Mataya. let the scroll of heaven be open god for what it is that you want to say to your people today through your word because your word is a two-edged sword father and so i pray let the word of God be the two-edged sword that needs to slice and position and do what it is that you want to do in the realm of the spirit and even in the natural. We thank you, Father, for your kingdom that is here. Ah, yes, Lord, and we bless your holy name. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. Transform us, Spirit of God, Lord, and renew. Spirit of God, flow, overflow, overflow, 
All right, that was Spirit of God Flow by Summer's Rain. Praise the Lord for her and her ministry. If you don't know who Summer's Rain is, you need to go and literally find out who she is because she's anointed and just you know, there's a there's a moment of just worshiping and then there's worship. Right? It's like there is um a moment of somebody just singing a song and you can hear the different tones and different you know way of them singing it but then there the same song can be sang by somebody and you can feel the atmosphere shift we need more of that those that shift the atmosphere all right so today i am going to talk about genesis 3 i know we are talking about jonah but then all of a sudden, we're talking about Genesis 3. The reason is that um, during my quiet time yesterday, the Lord led me to Genesis 3 because I have been reading Genesis for the month of um, September. And I know we are almost done with September, but I'm still in Genesis 3 because Genesis is so is so loaded. Like, I had to take pauses you know, where literally I read a, a verse and I'm like getting so much revelation. I'm like, my goodness. So, yes, I'm on Genesis 3 for the whole month of September because it's a loaded. Genesis is a loaded. There's so much revelation. Like when you read it, you're like, whoa, why didn't I ever get that when I first started to read the Bible? But anyway, so after reading Genesis 3, you know, well, the Lord led me to sit down and he's like, I want you to read Genesis 3. And afterwards, uh, I got so many, so many revelation in reading it. The Lord is like, I want you to teach it. And so here I am today teaching Genesis 3. So get your Bibles, your pens and your books and your complete attention to the Lord as we look in Genesis 3. So Genesis, we know about Genesis, right? Genesis is a book of the beginning, right? The book of the beginning, the beginning of the creation. There is no Big Bang Theory. Yesterday, God led this person to me, or more so, led me to the person. <laughs> and I, you know, as I was sitting there, the person and I were, we were talking, and it was a Sunday. So he's like, you know, I asked the person, hey, did you go to church today? He's like, no, I am working, so I don't go to church. And I'm like, oh, have you ever been to church? And he's like, yeah, when he was in his 20s, but now he doesn't. And I'm, as we were talking, I was asking him why. And he was like, because, you know, there are leaders and pastors that are just hypocrites. Um, I discerned there was some church hurt there that he, he literally thought that, you know, leaders were hypocrites and they were just horrible people. You know, they go up there and they preach and they're just, in your personal life, they're just horrible. And I gave him the analogy that, you know, he comes to work, you know, to get money, to, fo- to put food on the table. Of course, there are leaders in his work that are horrible, like what he explained to me. But that doesn't stop him from coming to work, right? That doesn't stop him from getting his paycheck, even though he knows there are people that are horrible. The same with the church. You don't go to church because of your your coworkers or because of your leader or your boss. You go to work because you want to make money to put food on your table and to pay for things. 
The same with the Lord. You don't go to church because of the leader there. You don't go to church because of the people there. You go there because of your relationship with God. Now, you know that eventually, if the boss at your job is horrible, eventually they will be found out. The same with the church. If your leader is horrible, eventually God will deal with them. You know, and so I was explaining that analogy to, to him, and we were talking, and eventually he was telling me about what he thought uh, his, his, his religion is. His religion is energy. And he, um, I mean, as he was talking, I was putting the blood of Jesus in the atmosphere and over myself. But his belief was energy and how he thought that energy, we all have energy, our energy connect and there is a Big Bang Theory and all of that. And I was like, so where did the Big Bang Theory come from? He said he doesn't know. I'm like, exactly. It has to start from somewhere and that somewhere and that something is the Lord. So we all know about Genesis. We all have heard about Big Bang Theory. It's not true because things that don't just appear <laughs> there has to be a source there has to be something that brought it into reality even human beings ourselves we don't just appear right we went through an embryo we became a fetus and all of that so having people believe in the big bang theory and me myself being a research you know somebody who have published who has published research in NIH research at Johns Hopkins, I have done a lot in the medical field. I have sat in conference rooms with Ivy League research scientists. I have been in places where research has been done. We're trying to figure out things that are wrong with people, wrong with nature, wrong with things. I have seen it all. And I would still tell you, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the light. He's everything. There is no Big Bang, Big Bang Theory. Even though I have been around Big Bang, Big Bang Theory companies and industries and schools and people and doctors and physicians and scientists, I will still tell you there is no Big, 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 Big Bang Theory at all. I remember one time this girl was like, Bernice, you literally do a lot of innovative research. How is it that you are not, you know, convinced when you've been in research? I've read so many scientific articles. Still, I'm not convinced by research alone. Because I know God for myself since I was a little girl. And I am so happy that the Lord literally got to know me and me got to know him even in the littleness that I, I knew about him it really gave me a foundation so that when I was in the medical field I wouldn't be I wouldn't be persuaded you know I think that if I wasn't knowing of who God is I would have been persuaded in the medical field you know but God knows how to introduce himself to us when we need him the most because he knows that in our life, we, we will encounter certain things that will cause us to be introduced to the wrong thing, right? And so Genesis is the beginning. Genesis is the creation. Genesis is setting the covenant in the content of who God's rule over the entire universe is. 
We don't serve the universe, okay? The universe is not a god. God is in charge of the universe. He created the universe. He is the god of the universe, right? So anybody that be, be talking about the universe this, the universe that, no, 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 no. We don't do universe. We do God, okay? The first covenant is with Adam and Eve. And through them, with all humanity and including the understanding that human beings will be responsible steward of um, the creation, okay, that God created for us to steward it. The second covenant is with Noah, right? The promise that the world will never again be destroyed by the flood, which is through the rainbow. But now we know that people are trying to pervert it. Well, not people, the demons inside of them are using them to pervert it. So we know that, you know, um, creation started with, with um, Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So he created the heavens and the earth. Uh, he made it all, the waters, the, the feminine, the feminine, the feminine, he created um, us in his own image, right? And then in Genesis 2, he, um, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he, in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So he made all things and then he made man, right? And when Adam saw well, Adam was by himself with the Lord, and God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Praise the Lord for that. So anybody that be saying, I don't need a man, you need a man. Girl, you need a man, okay? Don't be saying you want, you have Jesus, you have God. Yes, God is our husband, right? He is our husband for those that are single right now until he brings our husband. But don't be saying you don't need a man because that's exactly what you're going to get. No, no man, if you keep saying that, because you profess what you want to see, right? And so God saw that Adam was by himself, and he was like, it's not good for man to be alone. So he made Eve. And when Adam saw her, because God brought her to the man. So there's a bringing, that God is going to bring the woman to the man. So uh, 23, Genesis 2, 23 says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So this should tell you that God is against same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships, okay? In the beginning, he created marriage. He created unity between people that are supposed to be in love okay and so he was not confused god was not confused he knew he needed to make adam he knew he needed to make eve if he wanted to make adam and adam he would have done that if he wanted to make eve and eve he would have done that but he didn't he made adam and eve so that is that okay genesis 3 the temptation and fall of man now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Let's take a pause. This morning I was like, It's good to leave things unanswered. What do I mean by that? 
if Eve never had a conversation with a serpent, this all thing would not, never have happened. She would not have eaten the, the, the forbidden fruit. She would not have fallen to temptation. She would not even have been presented with the idea of having to even disqualify what God told her and what God told Adam to do. Sometimes it's okay to not answer certain text messages, certain, certain emails, certain messages that you get from people because it really prevents you from talking to the snake. Sometimes leaving people at red is good because you exchanging conversation will open a door for temptation and temptation leading to sin. The serpent was cunning, it says here. More cunning than any of the beasts in the field. The serpent was called a beast. It's important that you do not converse with beast. It's important that you don't have conversations with temptation. How do you have conversation with temptations? You keep going to the weed man thinking you're not going to be addicted. You keep going to the crack house thinking you're not going to be addicted. You keep going to Tyrone's house thinking you're not going to get pregnant. You keep going to the club thinking you're not going to you know, fall into sin. If you keep indulging and having conversations and mingling and dancing with the enemy you're eventually going to get bitten. If you keep stepping in front of temptation, you are eventually going to be had. The Bible says that what we are to resist the enemy. Turn to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee. If Eve resisted the serpent, the serpent would not be talking to her. The reason why many of you, people are people that don't mean you well are talking to you is because you keep trying to have a conversation. You keep listening. You keep talking to them. If you are mute, they won't have nothing to... If you don't respond, they won't have nothing else to say. So here it is. She gave, she gave him her ear when her ear is supposed to be for the Lord because his sheep knows his voice, right? Here she is listening to the enemy and the enemy telling her you shall not eat has the enemy came with a question has god indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden beware when people come with questions did you hear what happened you know the office gossip they always start with did you hear what susie said did you see what happened they always come with questions okay they always come. Did you did you hear what 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 was said in that office? Did, did did you hear what? They always come with questions. When they come with questions, it's a it's a rhetorical. This is a rhetorical question because the the enemy already knows knows that Eve knows what God said, but he's trying to have you to question God. Two. And the woman said to the serpent, she is responding to her. She broke, broke the whole 
word of God, resist the enemy. She was not resisting. She was talking. She said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Which is true. Which is true because the Lord did say that. The Lord did tell them in Genesis 1, 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And that's why it's important to remember Luke ten nineteen because God has given you authority over all of these things, right? So it says here that the Lord told them they should not eat of the tree. Here in Genesis 2, 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. I want to skip to where he told them. Sixteen, no, fifteen, fifteen. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and, uh, to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying to Adam, Eve wasn't there, Adam was there. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, of it you shall surely die. You shall surely die. So, what did she say? We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, which is Genesis 3, uh, 3. Genesis 3, 3. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Lest you die. God told him that you can freely eat of any tree. In Genesis 2, 16. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So... Eve was partially right in saying that, yeah, God said we should not eat of it. Nor shall we touch it lest you die. God didn't say they shouldn't touch it. He said don't eat it. So, 
Eve was talking to the serpent. Now let's see what the serpent said. Four. Then the serpent said to the woman, you, sh- you will not surely die. First of all, how do you... <laughs> oh, Lord. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When anybody comes to you telling you the opposite of what God has said, cough, cough, these pride people, cough, cough, the government, you need to tell them. When they tell you, you shall not surely die, you need to look right them in the eyes and tell them the word of God says. Because the Lord, even in in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when the serpent came to Jesus, okay, when he was being tempted, he said what? It is written. It is written. It is written. Because... When the enemy came to Adam and Eve, well, well, when the enemy enemy came to Eve, he came to destroy the word of God. He came to twist the word of God. He came to disqualify the word of God in the sight of Eve. He came to question the word of God. So when he came to Jesus, Jesus said, you're not going to get me like how you got Eve. Let me tell you, it is written. Let me point you back to the word. Let me point you back to what God said in his word. So here he comes with all these. Now God knows that your eyes is going to be open. And you're going to know good and evil. So no, you, you should eat it basically. What have you been listening to concerning the enemy telling you it's okay. When you know it's not. You just told, Eve just told the enemy. This is what God said. And here the enemy comes. You will not die. Many of you, you know TVMA is a no-no. You know in your spirit. The Holy Spirit in you is convicting you. Why are you watching TVMA? Why are you drinking half a bottle of wine? Why are you eating more than you are supposed to when you know you are full? That's gluttony, right? Why are you listening to that gossip when you know God hates gossip? Why are you disqualifying and judging your your neighbor when God is the ultimate judge? Why are you starting a whole dilemma when you know God hates when People falsely accuse other people. You know it. God knows it. So why are you letting the enemy convince you that you will not surely die? It might not be you eating something like how we see it here. It could be something else that is against the Lord's commandments. Anything against God's commandment and you are dabbling in it. You are literally literally listening to the enemy tell you, you will not surely die. You know you are not supposed to go to Tyrone's house. Yet you put your makeup on, your lipstick on. You got yourself ready to go to Tyrone's house. You're walking to Tyrone's house. And the enemy is literally telling you, 
Oh, you will not surely get herpes. You will not surely get you will not surely get pregnant. But you know for a fact. You know for a fact. God told you in his word that the 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 marriage bed is undefiled. That means the the the, the romantic bed is for a man and a woman. A woman and a man that is married. But you know this. And yet you keep letting the enemy tell you. You will not surely die. By you taking a step in the wrong direction. Six. So when the woman saw. That the tree was good for food. That it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. She was looking while the enemy was whispering in her ears. She was talking to the enemy. She was listening to the enemy. She was looking at what was forbidden. You see, the reason why lust is a hard thing to break is because lust comes from this moment right here. She was lust enough for something that was not supposed to be hers. Lust of the eyes. This was an example of lust of the eyes. Because if you don't look at it, you don't desire it, right? All, all, all women, we know when we go to a store, we don't want to look at nothing. Because the moment we start to look at these outfits, we're going to go and touch it. We're going to go and put it on. And when we put it on, and ooh, when it fits, we think we need to take it home because we might have an event that we might have to take it to. So when we want to go straight to return something at a store, we don't look because we know we can't resist certain items that might be on sale. Because... Honestly, whenever you're trying to return an outfit, that's when they have a sale. So women, we know from this moment here, Eve was looking. And she saw it was a delight to the eyes. That's why it's hard to break lust. Because lust grasps your attention through your eye gates. Why do you think there's pornography? Why do you think, you know... On TV, things are so easily attainable through, like, images. Because lust is easier grasp through your eye gates. She gave him her ears. She gave him her attention. Well, it. She gave this... The devil, her ears. She gave the devil her attention. She gave her the devil her time. Even her thoughts. She gave her lips, her words to the devil. And she gave her eyes to the enemy. All the enemy needed was her attention. Her ears. That's why you have to be careful who's whispering in your ears. Because the person who whispers in your ears can eventually get your attention, can eventually get your eye gates to look at what you're not supposed to look at. That's why I don't spend time on the phone. I don't remember the last time I spent, what, 20 minutes on the phone talking. 
Unless it has to do with work or something that's important. But if it's not, I'm not spending 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour on the phone talking about what? Nothing. (laughs) That is profitable. So eventually she looked. The more she looked, it says what? Then the eyes, it says what? It says, then the woman saw that the tree was good for food. If, if she didn't think it was good for food before because she obeyed the Lord. God telling her, this is not for food. So don't, don't even think about it, eating it. So in, in their mind, they, they thought, okay, this is not for food. So they're not going to think about it. When something is off limit, you don't even think about it. But if somebody tells you, oh, yeah, you can, it's possible that it could be on limit. Like you can actually attain it. If, if drugs are off limit, you don't dabble in it. But if it becomes accessible to you, and you start to look at it, then eventually, yeah, you're going to try and dabble in it. If your savings account is off limit, you don't dabble in it. If you, if you have $20 in your check-ins, that's all you got, right? Because your savings account is not something you want to touch. But if it becomes something that you can touch, then you think, oh, yeah, you don't just have $20, but you have, you know, uh, 5020 in your bank account. It's all in the mind, right? So she looked at it and she thought, oh, wait, it, it could be food. No, God said it's not food. The same with Sodom and Gomorrah. People thinking the same person in, in the same gender could be somebody potential for a romantic relationship. But no, God said it's off limit. He gave you the opposite sex. What else can we th- think about? Somebody else's wife is not your wife. Somebody else's husband is not your husband. That's off limit. Whatever God, and right now as I'm talking, I know some of you, God is highlighting something to you concerning your own life. What God has said is off limit. God has told you something that's off limit. That, that is in his word that you cannot do. Don't let the enemy convince you to look at it as something productive or something profitable to you because there's nothing profitable in something that God has said no to. Maybe your your ex. You think, you know, <laughs> some of you, the, the enemy is telling you, did God really tell you to break up with that person? Did God really say that you should not date date lukewarm people? And here you are flipping through his, his phone, looking at his muscles, like, oh, Lord, he got six pack. And the enemy whispered in your ears, did God really say you can't redate him again? And you're looking, 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 and then there you go, messaging him, how are you doing, big head? No, no, big head is no longer big head. Big head is, is in the past. And God is saying you got to look 
to your future. The fruit was not something that God wanted them to, to eat from. Because if it was, he would not have told Adam right before he made Eve. He told Adam, don't eat of this fruit. And right after that, he said what? He is created. It's not good for man to be alone. And then he made woman. God is strategic in knowing what we desire and what we need. He, ne- he needed the good, which is from Eve, to be with him. Whatever the enemy is trying to give you attention to, Ask God, what does he want you to look at instead? Because with all of these fruits and trees in the garden, Eve could have easily turned her eyes off the enemy, turn her eyes off that specific fruit, and look at, you know, strawberries or mangoes or bananas and, you know, peaches and nuts and all these amazing fruit watermelons and all of that there are so many fruits she could have easily just said you know what i'm not gonna look at that that's what some of you are you have they have so many men out there but you're still looking at the the thing that god is telling you not to not to date not to be with there are so many women out there for for you man but you're still looking at your ex you're still looking at the thing that god said no to There's so many jobs out there, but you're still looking at the job God told you to leave. There's so many uh, opportunities out there, but you're still reminiscing on the opportunity that you missed. Or the enemy tried to present to you. And you can't move forward. I really believe that there was something that was about to happen right before the enemy, the snake started to talk to um, the woman. Whenever there's a breakthrough, even, even with Jesus, the Holy, he got baptized. The Holy Spirit led him to the, to the wilderness. Right after the wilderness, he went into ministry. Okay, Before you go into your next, you got to encounter the snake. Here is Eve encountering the snake. What do you think was going to happen right before this happened? I think there was a breakthrough. There was something that God was about to do. Even with Paul and the snake that he shook into the the fire. Right after that, Paul went and continued to preach and do all that God was calling him to do whenever you encounter a serpent and i'm not saying visually you know an actual serpent it could be through people could be through certain things certain situations storms okay whatever you're trying to get your attention from the lord realize that there is something that is about to happen in your life that's why that thing is sent Whenever you, you, you meet a counterfeit, whenever you meet something that is trying to steal your, 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 your relationship with God, your moment with God, your time with the Father, or go against, or cause you to try and go against what God has told you to do, 
right after that, there's always a breakthrough. If you only could pass the test. I believe this was a test that Eve did not pass. And Adam didn't pass because guess what? He took off the tree. He, he, he took the fruit that, that, God, that God told them not to eat. God told him specifically not to eat. So if God told him, he should be able to look at the fruit and say, oh, this is the fruit. If God tell you don't eat a banana, when you see a yellow thing, it should be an alarm to you. Yellow fruit. God said don't eat of this specific fruit. Is this a yellow banana or is this just a mango that is yellow? Adam knew what that fruit looked like. So when he took it, what do you think he was taking it for? He knew it was the forbidden fruit because he's the one who saw it first. He's the one who God told him first. So he knew what it looked like. And that is why God was so strategic in saying to the woman that you will desire to rule over your husband, but your husband will rule over you because she ruled over her husband by making him eat the forbidden fruit. Seven, then the eyes of both of them were opened. They didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. And that's what going against God's word does to you. You will die in your spirit, man. If you backslide into religiosity, you will die. Your fire will die. I remember, even for me, I went to a church where, you know, I, I, I was brought up. Um, I'm not going to specifically say. I was brought up in, in Baptist, okay? And in Baptist, there's such a religious spirit sometimes. Not all of them, but some of them. And they don't want to, I never heard about the Holy Spirit gifts, fruits. Never even knew you can speak in tongues. Though they taught about Jesus and the word of God, which is very important, they didn't teach about the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So some of the things were missing. I remember the Lord led me out of the church and brought me into a church where they taught about the Holy Spirit. They preached about the Holy Spirit. They taught about Jesus, the word, everything. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed in tongues. I was on fire for God. It's like I got, I was like the energy, bun, the, the, the energy, um, um, the toy, the, the energy, um, what do you call it? The energized bunny. Yeah, that's what I mean. The energized bunny. The energized bunny. I was on fire for God. I was serving. I was happy. It was like I finally came into the fullness of who God is. And then I backslid into a Baptist church. A church. Not not necessarily uh, a Baptist church, but, but they had the same religiosity, Baptist orientation, Baptist, you know, way of doing things. And I remember God leading me to Jonah and saying, Bernice, you have, I remember he even gave me a dream. And in the dream, I was, he said, I, will, I, I backslid. And I'm like, backslid? What do you mean backslid? 
And so when I went into to um, the membership class for this specific church, I realized, oh no, <laughs> it is a Baptist church type of a church. And I was like, oh, I left this church and now I'm back to this church. So I asked the Lord, why am I here? What can you use me to do here? And he did use me to do certain things there. But when I left, I felt such a joy. I felt such a, a release. I felt such a joy, such a, uh, such a weight lifted off. I felt, I felt like I, I escaped from prison, like I left prison. I went into the Baptist church again after experiencing God in his fullness in a Pentecostal church. And then when I went back into the Baptist church, I felt that imprisonment. I don't know how to explain it, but just say that. When I left, I felt this joy that I've never, I just felt this calmness, this peace, this place I can just breathe. And I believe that When you dabble in what, what God has taken you from, when you try to look at what God is telling you not to look at or, or try to do things how God isn't pleased in doing it, you will die. Your fire will die. Because when I was back in the Baptist church, my fire was dying. My faith was, my faith was dying. Oh, I... Uh, I was not praying in tongues like I should have. I was not believing in miracles like I should have. And I was like, what's going on? This is not me at all. Your atmosphere can do something to you. That's why when Jesus went to heal the, 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 the girl who was sick, he told them, the girl, the girl who was dead, he told everybody to leave. And he only took the father and the mother and the three disciples, right, to do the miracle. Even Peter drove them out of the room to do the miracle. He kneeled down and prayed because he, he did not need people that were faithless around them, around him or religious You see in Romans 14, 14 to 18, the same. Jesus did not do a lot of miracles. Why? Because the people did not believe. When you're around religiosity, it's going to burn out your fire. It's like water. What God is showing me right now. It's like throwing water on fire. It's going to come out. It's, it's going to burn out. That's what's going to happen. You're not going to water you with the, the word of God. You're going to water you with false doctrine. And so we see that their eyes were open. They got what they wanted, but they were dead inside. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed thick trees together and made themselves covering. I mean, imagine many of us would be 
would be so okay with certain things if we never open ourselves to certain things. The reason why you see lust everywhere is because you open yourself to lust through pornography. The reason why you desire that thing is because you ate a piece of it and that opened a door. The reason why you can't stop smoking weed is because you started to smoke cigarettes. And now that your body has adjusted to the cigarette, it wants something more stronger. The reason why you can't stop doing drugs is because you smoked weed. And God knows what they put in weed. So do you see why God tells us not to do certain things? Because it will lead to certain things. It will give you an appetite that you never should have had in the beginning. And some some of you, the appetite that you have was not your fault. You were probably molested as a young child. You were taken advantage of. You were sexually raped. You were abused. You were introduced to certain things at a young age. It wasn't your fault. But your healing and your deliverance belongs to you. It's your assignment. So their eyes were open and they felt shame. That's why they're covering themselves. What have you looked at or taken in you that has caused you to feel shame? around certain people that you should not be feeling shame around. You know somebody has been fornicating when they come to church and they're hiding. You know they've been been sinning. Because you shouldn't be feeling uncomfortable around the prophet unless you've been sinning. Eight, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. God was walking in the garden. You know what that means? God has feet. He has legs. (laughs) In the garden, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I want us to take a pause and listen to a song. Because I I want to ask you a question. What have you ingested in the natural in a spirit that God told you not to do and now you can't even go in the presence of the Lord anymore or even around certain people anymore I want you to reflect on Genesis 3, 7 and 8 and then after that we're going to come back and look through the word of God
So I recorded from Genesis 9 to literally Genesis 22. And it did not record. Welcome back. My God. I have to read. I have to. Pre- uh, all this revelation I was talking about just did not record. You see how the enemy is? Oh, you know this word is supposed to be preached. All right. So. Hope, uh, help me, Holy Spirit. So much revelation I poured on here. My God. All right. So I'm preaching from revelation, what the Lord is telling me. So um, I did not write that down at all. Okay. Um, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? See, Adam, God knew where Adam was. God knew where Adam was, but God was not asking Adam, where are you in the natural? But God was asking Adam, where are you in the spirit? Holy Spirit, help me remember all that I said, all that the Lord allowed me to say here, please. Where are you in the spirit? Because it says that if what? If he eats the fruit, Right in Genesis two seventeen, but of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So if he ate of the fruit, he will die. So in the Lord's eyes, he can't find him because he's dead. He's 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 dead in the spirit. Okay, he's he's not dead in the natural, but he's dead in the spirit. So he said, I, I heard, what did Adam say? I heard your voice in the garden. Even though Adam has sinned, even though Adam has gone against the Lord, he still was able to hear the voice of God. Why? Because Adam was with God in the beginning. And so his sheep knows his voice. And so regardless of, his, of sin, it does not separate us from the voice of God. That's why, you know, God calls the backslider. That's why he, he, he draws. The Holy Spirit draws us to the Lord. Because there's an Adam in all of us. That even though we have sinned. We still. Are, are, the, Adam, the, the Adam in us. Still rec- recognizes the first voice that we heard. Which is God. So he said. I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. Where are you, Adam? Adam is in fear. Adam is in shame. That is his location. When his location should be in peace, in joy, in laughter, in, in, the, in the fullness of God. But because he ate of this tree, he died. And, and death will lead you into fear. Death in the realm of the spirit will lead you into fear and to hide yourself into a place where you're not supposed to be, into shame. That's why people who are not in Christianity find themselves in fear, in shame, in all these things that are not of God. It's because that's where death is. 11. And he said, who told you? Who told you? 
you were naked? Who told you that you would never get married? Who told you that you were you were you were always be in lack when your your when your father owns the cattle? Who told you you're not smart? Who told you you're ugly? Who told you you are attracted to the same sex? Who told you you are homosexual? Who told you 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 never amount to anything? Who told you you're short? Who told you you're fat? Who told you? Whatever it is the enemy has been telling you, who told you? God, God didn't come accusing the devil. He, he, he came with questions like, who have you been talking to? Who told you that? God is not oblivious to all of the things that were happening. He knew. This was a test that Adam and Eve needed to pass. Because whenever, whenever you encounter the enemy, like how Jesus encountered the enemy in the, guard, in the, in the, um, in the wilderness, Right after that, there's, there's a breakthrough because Jesus was baptized and then he was led to the wilderness and then he, he encountered the temptations of the enemy. And then after that, he went into ministry. I believe that before this moment, there was something pivotal that was about to happen. And so the enemy said, oh, he needs to go in and destroy the foundation. He says, who told you? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? The Lord had questions. Whenever God has questions, he already knows the answers. He's just trying to help you identify where you are. Like he asked Adam, where are you? 12. Then the, then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me um, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. The blaming game. Adam was in charge of the garden and is still in charge of the garden. He forgot his authority. God gave Adam the animals to rule over them, to take care of them, to steward them. And then he gave the woman to him to steward that too. But but at this moment, Adam forgot that he is the head of this woman, that he's the head of this place. <laughs> Adam knew what the tree looked like, the forbidden tree looked like. He has been in the garden for years, for many times. So he knew what it looked like. If God says don't eat a a uh, a banana, you know anything anything yellow you should be cautious about. If God if God said don't eat you know, a pear, you know, anything green, you should be cautious about. So he knew. So why did he eat it? 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, he did, he ate it because he, he, he did not seek the Lord. He allowed Eve to influence him. Instead of literally staying by the principles that he's been living by before Eve even came. Before the woman came. Because he, he had not named her yet. My God. Because all throughout the Bible, God gave him the, the, the animals to name them and the things to name them. 
but he didn't he didn't name this well he named he named her woman right he named her woman but later on we see that after all this transpired he gave her a new name which is eve then the man said the woman whom you gave to be with me she gave me of the tree and i ate and the lord god said to the woman what is this you have done the lord didn't ask the woman is this true he knew what is, what is this you have done the woman said the serpent deceived me and i ate the lord did not even ask the serpent anything because the lord knew the serpent is the, the deceptive and did what was what did the you know the woman said he, he did or it did the serpent came to deceive to convince that's what the enemy is doing even now to convince you to sin against god to go against the lord the serpent tried to be a ruler an authority figure in their lives when they already had an authority figure every time you try to go after other gods and other things you are trying to get a serpent in your life every time you listen to other people instead of the lord instead of the word of god you're trying to get a serpent in your life every time you try to go against the word of god every time you try to put something in between you and the lord what are you doing you're trying to get a serpent in your life so the lord god said to the serpent he went straight to the source of all of this because you have done this you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly you shall go all the days of your life and i will put enmity between you and the woman cuz that's true women we don't do snakes no 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 between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel you see how god started off from the person that started all of this and then went to the next person then went to eve to the woman he said i will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception which is true because every month we experience some sorrow through our period and it's not fun and your conception in pain you shall bring forth children which is true thank god for epidural your desire shall be for your husband which is very true we desire our husbands and he shall rule over you why because you try to rule over him by you telling him giving him the fruit to eat 
So God put order back in place. Because in the word of God, it says that what? Christ is the head of the man. And the man is the head of the woman. And the wo- and, 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 the, and Christ, and, and, the, and the one that is the head of Christ is God. Right? So the enemy was not after them eating anything. The enemy was after order, was after the protection that comes when the man still stays under God and the woman stays under the man. So why do you think the enemy is still after marriage? He's trying to cause division. He's trying to cause disorder in marriage. Because God created Adam to be over Eve. God created Adam to be under him. You see that order? That's what the enemy is after. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Adam heeded, Adam listened and obeyed the voice of his wife instead of the voice of God. Married men are supposed to listen to their wives, yes. But you're not supposed to listen to your wife more than you listen to God because your your wife is not your, the head of you. God is the head of you. Especially... If your wife, if if the voice of your wife is not in connection to the word of God, yeah, you should listen to the voice of your wife when the words that she's speaking is in connection to the word of God. But if it's not, you learn you should have learned from the garden not to listen. If it goes against God's word, Adam and Eve showed you it's not profitable to go against God's word. Right, it says, heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commended you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it, meaning that you will work sweat day and night. That's why men love work because God gave them. Their first love was work. God caused them to steward the garden. And that's what they fell in love with first. Before they fell in love with, you know, Eve. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. You see, people always say it's okay to smoke the herbs. Because of this passage right here. And you shall eat the herb of the field. God didn't say smoke the herb. He said eat the herb. <laughs> if you put it in your mouth. And it, t- it tastes bitter. It don't taste well. It means you shouldn't, eat it. you shouldn't be eating it. It didn't say you shall smoke the herb of the field. He said you shall eat. So no. Weed, weed smoking is not good. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you shall return 
And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. He gave her a new name after he heeded to her um, her so-called wisdom that she got from the serpent. This is my favorite part right here. 21. Also, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Regardless of the fact that they sinned against God, what did he do? He still covered them. In their eyes and in fear, and in shame, they reach for thick trees, fig leaves, thinking that that was what is proper and worthy to cover them. But God is like, no, you still, you still can't even see your worthiness. You are supposed to cover yourself with, with, with tunic of skin. They thought, oh, if if they eat of the fruit of the good and evil, they will, they will, you know, they will see themselves how God. No, God already saw them how He saw them. They already saw themselves how God saw them. They were covered, but now they are uncovered, and so they didn't even they, 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 they didn't even like realize that that tunic is what they needed. Instead, they covered themselves with, with fig trees, and that reminds me of the parable of the fig tree. It looked like it should bear fruit, but it was not bearing fruit. They symbolize a fig tree themselves. They put on themselves what they they were uh, acknowledging themselves to be. They put on themselves how they felt. They felt like fig tree. They were looking like children of God, but they were not behaving like children of God. They were not bearing fruit of children of God. And just like the fig tree that Jesus cursed, God cursed them. They were wearing fig trees while they were being cursed. You see the, 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 the connection? You will find yourself wearing fig trees when you disobey God. And you will find yourself in a curse. Cursed to the ground, they, they, they will return. God was being a father to them. Because we see in the book of Genesis when Jacob created a tunic of many colors for his favorite child, Joseph. What was God showing the devil here? God was showing the devil, regardless of the fact that you cause them to disobey me, they're still my favorite. I'm going to make them tunic of skin. Because tunic is like a, a type of outfit where it covers from your shoulder to your knee. They were just covering themselves in different parts of their body. But God said, no, I want to clothe the whole temple that I made. Because you will present yourself as a living sacrifice to me for me to use you as your vessel. They didn't even know how to clothe themselves. God was showing himself as a father to them. Many of you, God has removed your 
your, your thick leaves that you thought you should cover yourself with, your fig leaves in your ministry and giving you a mantle. Mantle. The tunic is like a mantle. Many of you have tunics of skin, which is the mantle that God has given you. Some of you is the blessing, the favor that God has given you. You thought you just needed some fig trees to just cover yourself. You thought you could put your own fig tree together, but God said, no, 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 no. I know what your body needs to cover yourself. He's given you a mantle. He clothed them. Some of us, our tunic of skin is the full armor of God. You keep going out there naked in the realm of the spirit. You better put on your full armor of God that God gave you in his word every day. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes of peace. Pick up your shield of faith to cleanse every fiery dot of the enemy and pick up the sword, which is the word of God. God gave them a tunic of skin. When you study tunic, sometimes tunic symbolizes innermost covering. Because he wasn't just covering them on the outside, but in the inside as well. He was covering your shame. He was covering your fear. Because that fig tree was just going to cover them on the outside. It wasn't doing a work inside of them because the fig tree does not bear any fruit. But the tunic of skin, the tunic of skin has blood. It symbolizes Jesus. The blood of Jesus that's going to wash away their sins. Jesus is in all of this. It's it's saying redemption. Redemption. Because when Jesus left, what did he leave in the tomb? His tunic. <laughs> his tunic. He left his tunic. That's how they knew. Wait, his tunic is still here, but he's gone. 22, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. This is wisdom here. To know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also out of the tree of life and eat and live forever. There was a tree of life and then there was a tree of good and evil. Why didn't the enemy take them to the tree of life and cause them to eat it so that they live forever because he wasn't after them living forever he was after them knowing evil he was after them disobeying God he was after them having this disorder in their in their marriage And he's still after that. From the beginning, what he came after is what he's still coming after. This order. Because if the woman 
if if the man listens to the woman's voice more than God's voice, eventually the woman will be the head of the house. And the enemy can still talk to the woman. But God said, no. The man is the head. Christ is the head of the man. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. And man is the head of the woman. Because if the woman was supposed to be the head of the house, then God would have made woman first before he made man. That doesn't mean that a woman cannot be a leader or preach or be a CEO. No. This is concerning marriage. This is concerning covenantal marriage, relationship, marriage. Okay. Women can still be CEO of companies, preach, own things and all of that. But this is, called, called, this is about marriage, about commitment, covenant. Because God was with Adam. There was a covenant there. And then God said, okay, I'm going to make you a wife and give you another covenant with the woman. And you rule over her. You be the head. In love. Just as Christ. Is the head of the church. You see how Christ is in, in all of this. Why do you think. The enemy came. To tempt Jesus. Before he started to be with in in ministry full time, before he started to, you know, raise up disciples and whatnot, and actually build a church. He was the church, but really demonstrate the church. The same temptation Jesus endured, but he passed it. I believe that there was something great that was about to happen right before, right after this temptation. But they did not pass the test. So Jesus, so, so God was wise in saying, you know what? They have already sinned. They have already disobeyed. Let me guard the tree of life. This is wisdom. There's so much wisdom in Genesis. I mean, think about it. If somebody came in your garden, in your house, and stole your car, you're not going to leave your door open and your purse open in your home and be like, oh, going to leave your back door open and your front door open like that? No. Or if somebody took your food from the fridge and your work, you're not going to leave your work door open and your, um, your, um, your purse open. You're going to guard those things. So this is showing you it's okay to guard things that the enemy tried to, 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 to take or to destroy. If you're a leader of a company or church, whatever you are, and you told somebody not to do something and they disobeyed, use this type of wisdom and guard the other things. If you trusted your, your children with somebody, and they mishandled your kids. You're not going to trust them with yourself 
and your husband? No. You're going to guard those things. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to tilt, to till the ground from which he was taken. God removed them from the garden. To demonstrate what he said. In Genesis 3, 19. In sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are. And to dust you shall return. Sometimes when you want something that God tells you not to have. There are consequences that are far greater than if only you would have listened to the voice of God. I mean, think about it. There are so many trees, fruits, vegetables in the garden. They could have easily said no to the devil and eaten some apples. They could have eaten some bananas, watermelons. I honestly think that I, I honestly don't think that the tree of life, I mean the the fruit, the the forbidden fruit, is an apple. We don't know what it is because it doesn't really say. Because if it was, it we we would not, you know, we would not see it in 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 our natural place. But anyway, they could have eaten so many things. They could have eaten coconuts. They could have eaten. Um, peaches. They could have eaten mangoes. So many grapes. So many grapefruits and and tree fruits they could have eaten. And sometimes that's how it is. When God tells you, leave this person. I have so many people for you. Leave this job. I have so many other jobs for you. Leave this Occupation. I have so many other occupations for you. Leave this thing. Don't don't mingle with this. Don't don't eat this. Don't do this. But no, here comes the devil. Did God really say? Get away from me, devil. <laughs> when somebody comes questioning what God has told you to do or not do, you you know you're talking to a snake. Jesus was so quick. To turn to Peter and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus, when, 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 when Jesus told the disciples that he has to go and, and die, what did Peter say? No, no, God, no, Jesus, you don't have to. That was the devil talking through, the, to, to, through Peter. Jesus turned around so quick and rebuked the devil. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's what, that's what. Eve and Adam should have done. Get thee behind me. But no. They said get get thee in front of them. <laughs> get thee in front of them. They didn't have discernment. They didn't have the fear of God. They had fear. He was afraid. He wasn't in the fear of God. Because if he was, he would have never desire to sin against the Lord. 
So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every every way to guard the way of the tree of life. God is strategic. He protects. If you ever, ever think, or if the enemy ever lies to you and tell you God cannot protect you, God is protecting the tree of life right now. What did he do? He sent an angel to the east of the garden and a flaming sword which turned every way. The sword is not just on fire, but it is turning everywhere to pierce and destroy anything that will come to try and, and touch the, the, or come around the tree of life. God knows how to guard a tree. How much more does he know how to guard you? If only you will get, get under his shelter. So what does Genesis 3 tell us? That under the shelter of the Most High, there is all you need. That is very imperative. I see the word imperative. God is saying it is imperative to obey his word. Because if you don't, there are curses and consequences waiting for you. Deuteronomy 28 talks about that. What does it say in Deuteronomy 28? Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully. Did they observe carefully? Did they obey the voice? No. All his commandments. Did they, did they observe, obey his commandments? No. Which I commend you today. That the Lord, your God, will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. What are the blessings? Genesis 3 to 14 are all the blessings. We always say, I am the head and not the tail. Well, are you, are you obeying the Lord? Because that's one of the blessings in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 28. I am the lender and not the borrower. Are you obeying the Lord? Are you carefully carefully um, observing his commandments and obeying them? Many of us say, I am blessed going in. I'm blessed coming, I'm, I'm blessed coming in, going in. It, it all comes from Deuteronomy 28. If you, if you obey, you will be blessed going in and coming out. Coming out and going in. You will be blessed being the head on the tail. You will be above and not beneath. You will be a lender and not a borrower. You will possess all. But if you don't obey, 14, Deuteronomy 28, 14 says, So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day. Did Adam and Eve turn aside from the words that God commanded them? Yes. To the right or to the left? To go after other gods to serve them. Because in, in all reality, when they obeyed the enemy through the serpent, they were serving. Whatever you obey, you serve. 
because you're giving it your authority, you're giving it your attention, and you're giving it your obedience. So the enemy is what they served at that moment. The serpent is what they served at that moment. The serpent became their ruler at that moment. Curses on disobedience start from Genesis, I mean, not Genesis, Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 68. 15 to 68 are curses. Blessings are Deuteronomy 28, 2 to 13. You see how many curses there are? <laughs> you don't want any of those curses. So it's best to obey the voice of the Lord. We all have an Adam in us. And an Adam will always recognize the first voice. Just like when a baby is born, when they hear the mother's voice, they, they feel calmness. They don't cry anymore. Because they are familiar with that voice. Because they have been inside of the person who's speaking that voice. And so they know that voice very well. So Deuteronomy 28 talks about curses and blessings. And I want you to look at that. Genesis 3 is the temptation and the fall of man. It's not a sin to be tempted. They could have easily said no to the enemy when he came with temptations. It is sin to fall into temptations. What has the enemy been tempting you to do? That you know full well God says no to. Has the enemy been tempting you to steal? Has the enemy been telling you to go to Tyrone's house? When you know you and Tyrone are not married? Does the enemy been tempting you to watch pornography? When you know your eyes belong to the Lord. That you are a temple. Your body is a temple and that includes your eyes. Which are supposed to be a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Has the enemy been tempting you with suicide, with perversion, with lack, with worry, with anxiety, with depression? What has the enemy been tempting you to do? Because we know that the voice of God brings conviction, not condemnation. The voice of God brings peace, not sorrow. The voice of God brings clarity, not confusion. So whenever you feel, the voice of God brings faith and encouragement, not fear. Because they listen to the voice of the enemy, they were fearful and ashamed. But when God brought tunic, he brought it with love, with comfort. What have you been listening? Who told you? <laughs> Who has been talking to you and what have they been telling you? Examine the voice you hear in your ears. Father, we just thank you right now for your word. We thank you that you are a God of mercy and sympathy. 
that you could have easily just killed off Adam and Eve and started over, but you did not do that. You gave us grace. You gave us a tunic of skin. You gave us Jesus to redeem us. Many of us have sinned against you, including myself. Yet you still clothe us every day. You still feed us. You still give us what we need. So God, we repent right now of listening to the enemy, of the voices of the enemy through people through media, through things, even through our own desires. We confess it right now. And we ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us and to clothe us. Father, help us to obey your word in Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14, so that we have blessings and not curses. Many other plans in a man's heart, but it is your word that will be fulfilled. Help us not to listen to the word of the enemy, but to listen to your word day and night. Because your word is faith. Your word is rhema. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can we please you? Because it is impossible to please you without faith. How can we please you by, by faith if we don't? hear your word and listen to your word and obey your word restore the family priesthood lord again help women to be submissive just as the church is submissive to jesus christ help women to be submissive wives to be submissive to their husbands and help husbands to be submissive to christ because in the end it's not the serpent that is the head of the woman it is the it is the it is the man that is the head of the woman show every wife every woman the serpent that is trying to be the head show every woman the serpent that is trying to be the head show every man the serpent that is trying to be the head and help them resist the serpent and turn to you god help them turn to you resist the enemy and the enemy will flee away from them and so we thank you, Lord, for the word that you've brought us today. Help us to always turn to you to be covered, not to things that do not bear fruit, but to you always. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your covering over us as we stay under your hedge of protection where the enemy cannot come as long as we don't allow it to come. We don't listen to it. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. And I pray for anyone that is looking for a job, looking for financial breakthrough. Help us, Lord, to be good steward, to have good character in our dealings, in our lives. In Jesus' name, give us anything that we lack according to your word for your glory and your glory alone. We bless your holy name. We do pray. Amen. All right, guys. I thank you for listening today to Devoted with Bernice. I hope you were blessed. I hope this gave you some insight. I hope it gave you some insight as well. The reason why I preached this, because God was um, warning me about the green snake 
the green snake. And he led me to Genesis. It's not necessarily a snake snake, but it's the enemy through the voices of the people around you. You got to be careful who is talking to you. Examine the words that they say through the word of God. Observe the words they say through the word of God. Even the things that you yourself think about. You got to allow the Holy Spirit to help you be convicted. And help you examine the word that you hear or the thoughts that is in your head. Wash it through the word of God and see if it comes out as pure gold or it comes out as filth. Examine yourself through the word. Examine what you hear through the word. And always put on your full armor. And always yield your ear gates to the voice of the Lord. Not the voice of the serpent. Because the serpent has nothing good to tell you. Have a bless. Lastly, I want to encourage somebody. We see in the book of Genesis, Genesis 3, um, 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? I want you to know that right after Adam sinned, God did not forget his name. God knew where he was and he came to him. However far you've been, wherever you've gone, whatever you've done, I want you to know right now, you cannot listen to the enemy's voice of telling you that God has forgotten you or doesn't remember your name or doesn't know where you are. Right now, in this very moment, in this very hour, in this very day, in this very moment, God knows your name. He knows where you are because there's a seed of Abraham in you. Just as in Genesis, in the beginning, when Adam sinned and he still knew where he was and he went to him and asked him his, and said his name, God knows where you are. So there is no sin that could ever separate you from the love of God and from God knowing you. And even from God making you a tunic of skin, which I believe it represents Jesus Christ to cover you. God knows your name and he knows where you are. He just want to know if you know. That's why he asks Adam, where are you? How far have you gone from the Lord? He knows where you are, but do you know where you are? You can always return to the Lord. Just pray a simple prayer and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. I am sorry. I have backslid. I know I'm still your child. I know I'm still yours. I repent for listening to the enemy. And in this moment, I just ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I ask you to take me back into your arms, into the life that you've given me. 
Lord, come and be the Lord and Savior of my life from this moment going. And I'll always seek you first, your kingdom, your righteousness, and all things will be added unto me. I am no longer listening to the enemy. I'm no longer doing it my own way. But from this moment going forward, be the light in my pathway. Lead the way, Lord. Help me, Holy Spirit. Be my paraclete. Help me, Jesus, to continue to obey you and allow you to lead me in the path that the Lord has created for me. I now submit my ear gates, my eye gates, my senses back to you, Lord, and my life completely back to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I receive forgiveness from you, Lord, and I step into my rightful place as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now you've rededicated, rededicated your life back to the Lord, okay? Remember, he will always cover you, just as he covered Adam and Eve with tunic of skin. He's still your provider, your redeemer. Have a blessed, joyful, and victorious day.
Now 